Yes, indeed, there are more questions than answers. Like is a lightning rod on top of a church showing a lack of faith? Hi, America. Hello, world. My name is Adrian Lee, and I'm your host. Welcome to the show, More Questions Than Answers, the only paranormal quiz show anywhere in the world. Each week, my guests and I will search the world's newspapers, websites, and TV shows just for you to bring you the very best in paranormal talk radio entertainment and enlightenment. We will then test each other's knowledge of the week's events of the mysterious, strange, supernatural, unusual, bizarre, and just plain weird. If you have just tuned in especially to hear the show, then I admire your taste. If you have just tuned in by accident, then I admire your luck. I am huddled under my quilt with a large flashlight and a nice cup of tea with tonight's guests, somewhere in the barren wildernesses of the Midwest Plains, with the sound of my elderly mother snoring distantly from the room next door. So, snuggle under your covers, turn out your light and hold on tight. The rules are very simple. Points will be awarded randomly for being interesting and for making me laugh or shiver in horror. Extra points will be available for shock and awe value. To help me control my rowdy panel of recidivists and retrobates, I will employ what I have called the inappropriate bell. An example of this would be... The panel have no idea what's coming, and I have no idea what stories they have for tonight's show, and we are completely live and unedited. What could possibly go wrong? So without any further ado, let us embrace this week's darkness. Let me start by introducing tonight's guest panel. Firstly, the mysterious and evanescent Heather Morris. She has been a paranormal investigator for many years, with her own team called Hellhound Investigations, and does all of her best work in the shadows. She is now one of the leading audio and EVP experts with the International Paranormal Society, and brings her knowledge and research skills to tonight's show. Heather wondered this week if you are telling the truth if you lie in bed. Welcome to the show, Heather. That's not right. No? Do you often lie in bed? Yes. Fair enough. Yes, I do. (laughs) Early use of the inappropriate bell. We also have with us the analytical and sceptical mind of Kim Gore. Kim is also a talented and valued member of the International Paranormal Society. After watching The Wild all season, Kim wondered why the fattest man in the world shouldn't become a hockey goalie. Welcome to the show, Kim. <laughs> Hello. You know a lot about hockey. Why is that I not the case? I thought you were going to say you know, know a lot of fat men. <laughs> you know a lot about fat men, Kim. Wow. <laughs> How are you, Greg? You're having a good afternoon? Why is it not the case? Heather said that, by the way. It's nothing to do with me, seeing you're in charge of the board. 
Why is it the fattest people don't become hockey goalkeepers? You could just sit there eating a sandwich and a chocolate bar and having a can of Coke and the puck would just be bouncing off you. I would say that that would probably be because they would have to be able to be on skates and they have to be able to get down into a butterfly. If you're too fat, you're not going to be able to do any of that. I've never seen anybody do a butterfly. I have seen them do that in a swimming pool. (laughs) Just saying. But you you don't need to do it. I'm assuming a butterfly is when you jump on the puck, is it? And you kind of slide around. It's the position that you have your legs and arms in when you go down to stop the puck. Ever done the butterfly position, Greg? No, I haven't. Okay. (laughs) I'm just saying the fattest. There used to be a soccer player that was a goalkeeper back in the day. His name was Fatty Falks. And he was very large. And apparently the ball just used to bounce off him. He was a very large gentleman. Back in the day, I think that was the Edwardian here, actually, at the beginning of the last century. But if anyone has the answer to that, then you can write to me at mqta at rocketmail.com. Finally, on tonight's show, I wish to introduce the calm and unflappable Greg Gore. He's married to Kim, and we shall see if this is still the case after tonight's show. (laughs) Greg is a paranormal investigator and tech expert. He owns and operates more cameras and leads than the BBC outside broadcast department. He is also a sound engineer and producer. Greg realised this week that Chopsticks is one of the easiest songs to play on the piano, but the artist thing to eat with i believe you ruined one of your best shirts and the waiter lost his sight in one eye welcome to the show greg <laughs> yeah we are on show 14 series two can you believe it 14 i know i looked up 14 14 is a very important number i did do a search i did an internet search and that internet search is 14 fascinating facts about 14 and there was a hit and i looked it up and someone had written there are no fascinating facts about number 14. <laughs> and I thought, well, that's going to ruin my radio show for tonight. But fear not, listener. I jumped in with both feet. And there are fascinating facts about 14. There are 14 days in a fortnight. Does anyone know, early point, straight away, straight off the bat, why it's called a fortnight? Does anyone know? I've already no. told you it's got 14 days in it. 14, fortnight. See how that works. Did you know the English word for two weeks, which is fortnight, is not replicated in any other language? Every other language in the world does not have a specific word for two weeks or a two-week block. Yeah, we do. There are specific... What's that then? Two weeks. Two weeks. Yes, but that's not a specific <laughs> word. Or how about bi-monthly? Bi-monthly. <laughs> two, but yes, but they're two words. Two, two weeks and bi-monthly are two words, aren't they? My bumfly. But apparently English is the only language that has a specific word, word being singular, for a block of two weeks. There you go. Ah. Did you know there are more people alive on Earth as we speak that are 14 than any other age? So 14 is the optimum age to be at. And I was giving this some thought, actually. I'm thinking at the age of 14, you know, when we're talking about third world countries, you've got past pretty much all of the childhood illnesses that could kill you. Okay, so you're growing into an adult and you've got some strength. Yet, most of the deaths that were recorded are either going to be road traffic accidents or something to do at work with industrial machinery or accidents around the home. So a 14-year-old isn't yet driving. They're not working, so they can't have industrial accidents or accidents in the workplace. And as being a 14-year-old, they're still under supervision of their parents. So 14, apparently, is the optimum age to be at. And there's more 14-year-olds on planet Earth as we speak than any other age group 
some animals have a sense of smell 14 times greater than humans so uh, in this airtight studio that we're currently recording from on darkmatterradio.net i'm glad there's no animals in here at the moment because obviously that would be cruelty to animals and we would be taken off air very quickly <laughs> and greg you can win points as a golfer why is 14 an important number 14 an important number yes 14 is an important number in golf 19 is more important in golf than 14. <laughs> this is very true. 19th hole. You are only allowed to have 14 clubs in your golf bag. And this actually happened in a tournament. There was a Welsh golfer called Ian Woosnam that you may remember. He was a very short guy and could club the ball a very long way. He did a fabulous round of golf in one of the PJ tournaments. And when they got to the end, he realised that the caddy had put 15 clubs in his bag and he was disqualified and he was not happy. I remember him breaking the club repeatedly over the caddy's head at one point. I just want to mention as well, people need to prepare. I didn't realise until I was doing my research. The 31st of July, which is obviously a couple of months away, is going to be a blue moon. Now, we mentioned a blue moon on last week's show. A blue moon is when there's a full moon twice in the same month. And it happens very, very rarely. I think the last one was 2012. And so July this year, coming up in a couple of months time there is a full moon on the 1st of july and then on the 31st of july oh yeah Mm -hmm. was you going to jump in and say there is no 31st of july no (laughs) okay well you seem to not understand how many letters there are in a singular word is there a special name for the first moon of the month when there's two in a month or not i'd have to do some research kim this is the show more questions it's the first blue moon i'm guessing and then you get the second one i have no idea perhaps it's a shade of lilac there is a name for when there's two completely black moons in a month too but i don't know if that's called black moon or dark moon or something like that we should do some research closer to the time we should have a show dedicated to mooning how's that Which won't be very useful for our listeners. We'll have to describe. That looks like they'll Winston. hear the screams. They will. <laughs> Greg, that looks like Winston Churchill being pensive. He's even got him smoking the cigar. Uh, no. We investigated a couple of weeks ago. I want to discuss this because we didn't have time on last week's show. We investigated a couple of weeks ago the SS Meteor, which is the last well-backed cargo freighter in the whole wide world. It was built in 1895. And it's moored. It's got a dry mooring there on Barker's Island up in Superior. And we did an investigation. No investigations have ever taken place on this ship before. And uh, we're researching at the moment a book I've got coming out at the end of the summer called More Mysterious Minnesota. And before you write in, I am aware that the meteor is in Superior, and that's Wisconsin. But we're going to do a chapter called Just Over the Edge because there's so many fabulous places to investigate just over the edge of Minnesota that I thought that'd be fun to squeeze that in but that's going to be for my book more mysterious minnesota if you're interested i don't plug my products very often but if you're interested mysterious minnesota is available to purchase through amazon and all good bookshops if people want to have a look at that cram full of history and investigations we've done with the international paranormal society but i was going to go around the room and ask my guests tonight what they thought and what their experiences were of investigating an 1895 cargo freighter it's about six seven hundred foot long you walk to one end of the ship and you come back with an accent it's that far it's in a different time (laughs) zone is where we are heather what did you recall and what do you remember from investigating the meteor 
Well, this was my first time investigating a boat, but where we were stationed was actually the officer's quarters, I believe, right, Kim? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were in the officer's hallway in the officer's quarters, and uh, we had set up our equipment, and we actually had a trigger object flashlight in the middle of the hallway, and after sitting for a period of 45 minutes, all of a sudden the the flashlight took off and rolled across the hallway on its own accord. And then um, actually, as we were setting up the trigger objects and sitting down for our vigil, um, one of our members, Caroline, was down at the other end of the hall. And she had been asking me lots of questions. And then all of a sudden, I heard her say, Heather, um, and so I waited and I waited and I looked at her and I said, Caroline, what did you want? And she said, what are you talking about? I said, you just called me. She goes, no, I haven't said anything to you for a while. And I said, are you sure? Because I just heard my name called and it was in her voice. And unfortunately, we didn't have any DVRs running, but it was just, it was the oddest sensation I've ever had because I'm sitting there waiting for her to tell me what she wanted. So live on air, you've told all our listeners that you're hearing voices. Is this where we are? (laughs) We knew this time would come. (laughs) Greg, you keep her occupied and we'll call the authorities but no it's very common fit me with a nice white jacket right we have have a padded room here great (laughs) wow kim's just admitted she's been reading 50 shades of brown it's interesting they do mimic our voices sometimes and it shows a sentience that they're aware of who we are when we go into these investigations it makes you wonder how long those spirits have been following us around or listening to us talking to one another that it has an idea of our names for example but that is the case and i often get my accent said back to me like a like a poor um, version of Austin Powers, I guess. Now, I think I should explain that this wasn't on a shack hack, though. There was nothing running at the time. This was a completely disembodied voice. Almost like an EVP, yeah. I'm guessing. Yeah. So that was very interesting. On the back of the evidence you picked up in there, we did do a second vigil. Yeah, um, you All did, along right? the, uh, the cabins and the quarters there where the officers were and the uh, captain's quarters as well. Kim, what do you recall from investigating the cargo freighter, the Meteor? Uh, When we went back and did a second investigation, Heather and I sat up in the uh, dining area, mess hall, I'm not sure what they refer to it. The galley is the kitchen, but it's the mess office, the the officer's mess. uh, They had a separate area for eating for the officers as to the crew, so there was two messes and they were separated. We were in the crew area. Yep. And then uh, one of the other gals, Carolyn, was in the mess or the kitchen galley. The galley. Yep. Yeah. And uh, she, I saw her close the cupboard door underneath the kitchen sink because we both said, "Wasn't that closed before?" And so I witnessed her closing that door. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all got sat down. We we're doing the vigil. We were quite a ways into the vigil, and all of a sudden, the K two where Heather and I were sitting started going crazy. And short, right in the middle of us, actually. Right. And that detects electrical magnetic energy in the mm-hmm. air. And then shortly after that happened, uh, we heard a noise, and I said, what was that? Mm-hmm. And then Carolyn uh, in the galley said, the door under the kitchen or under the sink just opened up again. And I know that was shut as well, because I went round while you were getting all the equipment together, taking baseline photographs of all the areas. And when you mentioned that to me, I did go back through my photographs of the ship, that I took before we did the vigils and uh, all the doors were shut. So I've mm-hmm. got photographic proof that the doors were shut before we started the vigil. It's a shame they couldn't have rustled up some dinner for us, couldn't they? We could get <laughs> Maybe a ghost. that's what they were trying to That'd do. That'd <laughs> be great, wouldn't it? To have a ghost that made you dinner would be your joy, wouldn't it? I it just, would. It'd be fabulous. Have beans on toast waiting for you and oh, a cup of tea. that's disgusting. That's like 
carbs upon carbs. It's a lot of skinheads on a raft is what it is. Oh. But beans on toast is fabulous. <laughs> so, Greg, what do you recall about your time investigating on the meteor? Well, when we were at, up in the galley area of the hall in the uh, officers', officers quarters. Yeah. quarters mm-hmm. um, there was a cold entity went across the floor and was climbing up the wall. You saw that on your thermal, on imaging, thermal imaging camera, imaging didn't camera, you? Yeah. Do you remember how many degrees difference it was, this entity, from the surrounding areas as it made its way along the floor and up the Five. wall? Five. Five degree difference. And we, we did actually get a thermal laser um, thermometer out as well, and we followed that up the wall, and we made that. So we had that on two bits of equipment showing the difference in temperature. But the reason we were following that, of course, is that we were sat there in the darkness and the flashlight came on in its own. And you said when you saw the flashlight came on, you traced this entity with your thermal imaging camera being colder than the rest, working its way down the corridor from the flashlight and then up the wall. But he did actually make Scott jump, jump. and I, uh, I think he was leaning ahead or something, and his face was real close to the flashlight. He was. He was straining. He was straining to see what was making a noise. In of Scott, I didn't hear him scream like a girl this time. Oh, wait. I was going to uh, say I that think I think the ghost is now on the team. <laughs> yes. We now have a ghost on our team. If you make Scott scream, you're on the team. And uh, one of the captains of the Meteor back in the day is now on our team. He's actually providing me with more information than members of my team to be honest so this is where we are the thing i remember we were down initially we volunteered we split the team into girls and boys and the boys went down into the darkest depths of the detritus and the filth of the boiler room and it was a really miserable pit cave-like vastness where it was dripping water it was cold scott was sitting in a pile of asbestos dust i was sat there breathing in the fumes of flaking lead paint and there was just rust and misery all around and uh, we had a very interesting conversation on the ghost box. But before we turned the ghost box on, I was writing psychically on my pad in front of me some of the information I was getting through. And one of the words I was being given ended in boy. It was something like tall boy or hand boy, something boy that was two syllables. And in the darkness and the coldness and the dripping, I was struggling psychically to start getting this come through. Because the moment you start reaching for it, the wheels come off if anyone's uh, tried to be psychic and get that information coming through. We turned on the ghost box and there was a woman came through that said she was married um, to one of the crew members. And we said, well, is your, is your husband with you? And she said, yes, he's with me. He's dead as well, which was very interesting. But he came through and then said he was the first mate, which is obviously a rank of officer on board a ship. And the first mate's job is primarily to be lookout and to make sure they don't run into anything and to make sure the ship is being correctly piloted and he's in charge of everything that goes on on the deck and it was very interesting because the name helena kept coming through so i assumed not unreasonably that the woman's name was helena well i did some research over the last couple of days and i found out there was a ship that sank and one of the bits of information we got given as well they said two harbors which is just south of split rock lighthouse and north of duluth if you know the north shore along superior though it seems to be a spot where shipwrecks are in abundance unfortunately and uh, i said was there an incident in two harbors where a ship went down and he said yes i said were people killed on that he said yes again definitely was its reply so i did some historical research looked at all the shipwrecks that were wrecked around two harbors and i discovered this week there was a barge that sank in two harbors in the big storm they had there back in the day that the reason split rock lighthouse was built 
and it was called the Amboy. So already I'm thinking, well, that's an unusual name for a ship. And I was getting cyclically the word boy come through. I then discovered through further research that it was originally called the Helena, this ship. So now I'm very interested and I'm thinking, well, hang on a second. You know, there must be some details here that I can marry up to the ghosts and spirits we were getting through on the meteor. It turns out that when that ship sank, one of the reasons all the crew were saved originally was the fact that the wife of the first mate was on board the ship and she secured a rope to the sailors and they managed to get to shore up to their necks in water. And it's said that the wife of the first mate was the one that saved everyone with the help of her husband, the first mate. And this was all the information we'd received through the ghost box. He then went on to say that this happened before they actually came onto the meteor. So I need to do some more research and I'll keep you informed. And all of these details are going to be in the book, More Mysterious Minnesota. But I just found that very interesting from a historical perspective that I'm matching up all my history with the information we're getting through from the spirit world. We're begin, being given information that's been lost to the knowledge of man that we can add to the canon of Minnesota and Wisconsin history. And it's being given to us by the dead. And I just want to say a big thank you to Michael up there who helped us and was fabulous as our guide. And if anyone gets a chance to go onto the meteor, it is a non profit organization and they're desperately looking for funds and for help so if you get a chance it's a fabulous ship i can highly recommend the guided tour and the staff are very professional and very friendly and if you wish to see photographs of that investigation and the things we've spoken about you need to friend me on facebook or you can go to more questions and answers with adrian lee and you can see all those things on there and we have a website called int paranormal dot net and we shall post all of the information as and when it comes out we run into the first round that is ghosts and hauntings with our thermal imaging camera and our blinking flashlight looking for ghosts and hauntings i will start tonight's proceedings it says michael jackson's ghost spooks neverland ranch viewers considering buying the late stars mansion Michael Jackson's stories never seem to go away, do they? I know, and you do every one of them. I know, he died in like 2009 now, I think, or 2008. It's going to be like Elvis. Continuous. <laughs> I don't ever recall reading out an Elvis story. Michael Jackson's Neverland Ranch is up for sale, but potential buyers are reportedly being warned off from beyond the grave. It is said viewers of the mansion and the 2,700-acre estate, which he bought in 1987 and lived in for more than 15 years, have been put off by ghostly presence. An estate agent's source said local people say Jackson's spirit has been haunting his estate since he died. Can you imagine a ghostly white sequin glove making its way up the hallway, coming towards you, just a glove walking along the floor? <laughs> That's thing in drag. It's a thing in drag. Isn't that thing? What's the hand? The hand from so you're Adam's going into family. the Adams family. You're going into American culture from the fifties and sixties, and I'm going to yeah. be left wanting badly, unfortunately. Yeah, it's thing and drag. There is a place called Claydon House, which is in Britain, and it is meant to be haunted by a hand. There's a big gauntlet in the church, and it's said that back in the Civil War period, in the middle of the seventeenth century, there's a ghost that roams around looking for his hand, and they have the gauntlet holding a flag actually in the church area. So this is something that I'm familiar <laughs> with. Woken up. Have you ever been woken up by a ghostly hand, Greg? No. The night is still young. Investigators, <laughs> investors and visitors considering buying the property are warned that workers on the ranch have claimed the king of pop haunts the premises with a phantom chimpanzee by his side, no doubt. It seems there's something strange in Michael Jackson's old neighbourhood and not just the £65 million price tag. 
It was revealed earlier this week the estate, which includes six bedrooms. I'd want more than six bedrooms for £65,000. That's like eighty, ninety thousand. dollars million. Sorry, that's $65 million. <laughs> Yes, indeed. That's about eighty, $90000000 dollars. I'd want more than six bedrooms for that. Unless, of course, the bedrooms are the size of, you know, the New York's Yankee Stadium, Stadium would, be, yeah. would be the way to go. You could spend a mile, you know, walking just to shut the drapes before you go to bed. But it apparently includes a 50-seat cinema and two lakes, and it's gone on sale. However, the amusement park rides it was once famous for have now gone. Has have the orangutans and the elephant that used to live there with the eccentric singer. Both are now unemployed, apparently, and living on benefits. Last year, four photographers found their way. I like the way it says found their way in. They broke in. Found their way into the. I'm sorry, officer. I just found my way into this house, and I decided to take the TV and DVR. <laughs> the then abandoned estate and snapped the grounds as it was. Three of them anonymously spoke following the adventure, but I being scared by the mood of the place. One said, "I remember that vividly. I didn't find anything that creepy about the whole thing. I really found it very odd and different, but it wasn't scary at any moment." I think none of us were really scared. Mostly we felt like we shouldn't be invading the privacy of someone else. We shouldn't go breaking really? into other people's houses. In them. Perhaps it was dangerous. <laughs> well, oh, I just got that. One day in your life, you get to go into Michael Jackson's house and then you're told to beat it, but uh, you don't want to be starting something. But you remember the time and you saw a ghost and held my hand, but nothing bad ever happened points <laughs> that's all around. terrible i spent an hour doing that how dare you madam what have you got for me in the round of ghosts and hauntings <laughs> i picked this story because of the meteor okay haunted tugboat lurks in milwaukee harbor fabulous i recently heard about the haunted tugboat in milwaukee from a friend who is a self-professed great lakes boat nerd when he's not filling me in on the latest weird news from lake michigan he's usually busy stalking freshwater freighters on radar and webcam, and researching the complete history of every ship. I bet he's not married or got a girlfriend. Probably not. <laughs> and that's just because he's from Michigan. Oh, no. <laughs> so we've lost two listeners there already. About a year ago, he made an, an impromptu trip to snap some photos of the SS Alpina during a brief layover in the Milwaukee Harbor. Alpina? Yep. Okay, just checking. I don't want to get us taken off air. It was there that a pair of friendly security guards confessed their unease about the small, otherwise unremarkable tugboat moored nearby. Have you got a small and unremarkable Alpina, Greg? Okay. <laughs> That's Alpaca. Alpaca. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, October 23rd, 1941, a 550-foot steamer called the BF Jones had run aground. The tug, named then named the America, was dispatched to help the six crew members. It was built in 1897. I haven't been able to dig up any details on the circumstances, but age may have had a hand in the events that followed. Somewhere in the Detroit River, en route to the stalled steamer, tragedy struck. The America went down with all hands. The tugboat was eventually raised and repaired, and it was renamed the Midway in 1982, and then finally became the Wisconsin in 1983. Today, the 118-year-old Wisconsin is still in operation. It seems that anyone who spends some time with her, though, will begin to agree that the crewman that went down with her in 1941 may have never left. Rumor has it there are men who refuse to step foot on the boat. The engine has been known to cut out unexpectedly, 
and the guards my friend spoke to that day witnessed flickering lights and strange sounds on a regular basis. Maybe some things are better left to the depths. There you go. And that sounds just like the meteor. Fabulous. See, it was a ghost story. This is what's required. Kim, you should have two resplendent <laughs> oh, points. Lord. I'm going to finish the round of ghosts and hauntings <laughs> with a story that says Coronation Street cast fears ghosts haunt the soap's new set after a run of bad luck. I must tell you that Coronation Street is the most popular soap opera in the whole of Britain. It regularly pulls in 12 to 14 million viewers three times a week. So just to give my American cousins a bit of an insight into that. It says it seems there have been some uninvited extras on Coronation Street since it moved to its shiny new set, Ghosts. Cast and crew believe the place is haunted by the spirits of long-dead docker workers after a string of mishaps at the site. Street Chiefs last year moved the ITV soap set from the centre of Manchester to a £10 million production base at Salford Quays. It is next to the Manchester Ship Canal, where many men lost their lives during its construction an operation from 1894 onwards. Everything seems to be 1894 tonight. Wasn't that the date your tug was made? 97. 97 and the uh, meteor was 95 96 it's all very similar similar eras of history isn't it a source said it may sound far-fetched but people are openly saying the site is haunted every time something goes wrong the cry goes up we are cursed at first it was seen as a joke but believe it or not some have convinced themselves that it is now true it has even been suggested that an exorcism should be invited onto the set. An exorcist, indeed. The source added, it seems to be one thing after another. Whether it is down to ghosts or just bad luck, we could certainly do with a change of fortune. Cast members believe the old Corrie set, built on the site of a cemetery, was also haunted. Fancy building a TV set on the site of a cemetery and then wondering if the place is haunted. <laughs> the ghost of Pat Phoenix, who played Elsie Tanner until her death in 1986, was rumoured to have roamed around the cobbles. Maybe she was auditioning for the show Spooks. I wonder if a ghost could haunt a film set or a, a set of a TV show and actually think it's real. Do you think a ghost could materialise, you know, and you're on the set of a, of a soundstage or at Pinewood Studios or you're there in Manchester or Salford on the set of Coronation Street and think, because these look like real buildings, it's a soap opera and it looks like a real street and people go in and out of the houses and it's the, the lives of the people on the street. But you see behind the scenes, you go through the door and it's just a wooden facade there's nothing beyond that but it looks like a real street i wonder if a ghost could materialize or get confused wondering what's going on if there's a set and there's a street and there's buildings but they're not actually real i mean do you think that's possible um i don't know about that but i'll have to tell you you kind of dredged up a memory and maybe you guys will remember this too um going back i remember the first time a ghost was in the news and that was in relation to three men and a baby when there was supposedly a ghost boy prop you mean in the, the back window. The film, the film Three Men and a Baby. Yeah, right? That's like the show um, with uh, the Yellow Brick Road. The, uh, the Wizard of Oz. The Wizard of Oz. There we go. Thank you for that. There's a scene, isn't there, where there's a munchkin hanging from a from a tree apparently have you really 
yeah if you no, now i'm gonna that, have to watch it again yes you're gonna have to go and if you look that up online or on youtube there is meant to be a scene in the wizard of oz where there's a munchkin hanging from a tree apparently yeah and look up the three men and a baby thing you're trying to recover what, points aren't you by actually no. introducing some ghosts and hauntings into the <laughs> ghosts and hauntings round is where we are isn't it i can see that you are listening live on dark matter radio to more questions than answers and if you wish to listen to our previous shows they are archived on soundcloud.com and you can search for mqta radio and see all of our shows of the last few weeks and the last couple of years if people are interested we move into the round that is ufos and cryptozoology it's flying saucers green men and hairy beasties heather what have you got for me in the round of ufos and cryptozoology dead alien Oh, you found hit- by warmer, former UN worker. Okay, found a dead alien. What, just yeah. in the backyard in a shed? What no, but doing? it's really fun, actually. Well, let's not prejudge it. You tell me, and I'll tell you if it's fun. Do UFOs or aliens actually exist? No one knows because these aliens are from outer space, and humans cannot go further in their exploration of outer space. Well, it, uh, they're suggesting that aliens are from outer space. That's a remarkable headline. Yeah. Who knew such things? <laughs> Although some of the countries, like the United States, have already experienced success in some of their outer space explorations, they cannot manage to go further in other planets planets yet i might add while there are hundreds of non-believers there are thousands of ufo enthusiasts who believe in their existence in a statement released by andre gignac that'll do i know right you got there a 58 year old canadian who claimed to have found such an extraterrestrial civilization evidence through nasa he claimed to have identified a bare-breasted female alien. See, already you've got my attention now. <laughs> with a corpse. You were thinking of Captain Kirk. Uh, with no, a I corpse. wasn't thinking of Captain Kirk naked <laughs> at all. I was thinking of a bare-chested woman. What made you think for one uh, moment? It's not a woman. It's just a female. What's a woman then? A female as well. Okay, so I got it right. Points for me. No, I left four. Female <laughs> does not equate woman. Why not? A female dog. Is that a woman? (laughs) (laughs) Let's continue with the semantics. Do continue. He claimed to have identified a bare-breasted female alien. And I wasn't thinking of Captain Kirk (laughs) when you said (laughs) bare-breasted. With a corpse, a four-legged robot, and a Mount Rushmore-style carving of chronological Martian leaders. Since leaving in the UN, Mr. Ganak has become an established alien researcher. He also claimed to have found four sightings of alien civilization at Aeolus Mons, who is the central peak in the Gale Crater on Mars, unofficially identified as Mount Sharp. A so he's found ago, some aliens on the moon as well? Uh, Mars. Mars, sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it begins with M. I'm doing okay. It's got four letters in it. I'm not too bad. And it's not a Mars bar. No, apparently not. <laughs> they help you work rest and play do you know that no okay they do in is Britain. it is it mars where are we going with this is there a story I think in it's, there i think that's snickers no a mars a day helps you work rest and play I oh tell whatever you it's the facts that's more points for me i'm on five a month ago based on the photographs produced he claimed to have found a bunker which is a whole suggesting Martian population was existing under the surface of the planet. Yes, I remember reading the story out very well. Yes. Yeah. Um, basically, scientists believe that he has been matrixing, so 
he didn't find the bare-breasted female alien with a corpse. Yes, I remember the story from when I did that three weeks ago. Just what? saying. You the didn't... bunker. I did there was a bunker oh, on Mars. Oh, you did the bunker, but you didn't do the bare-breasted alien. No, that escaped me. I kept those photos for myself. <laughs> I have a story here called Dimensional Portal UFO Caught on Film Over the Netherlands. A nature lover taking photographs of clouds during a storm in the province of Groningen in the Netherlands noticed a flash whilst taking a picture. When he developed the shot, the flash appeared as a green UFO. This is the Jolly Green Giant. Who has not suggested that the Jolly Green Giant is an alien? I mean, it's huge. It's green. I mean, where do they get that from? Where did they make that up? What were they smoking when they sat there in a field full of corn and said, we need a logo for our company. We'll have a huge giant and we'll paint him green. And we'll call our corn Jolly Green Giant. It's very random. You have been bringing him up a lot lately. Yes. I just want to say that. We're in Minnesota. You can see him. You can walk between his legs. and uh... I don't want to know. And the little one's called Sprout. Apparently. But you're not getting points for that because we established this some weeks ago. <laughs> Upon detailed investigation, the disturbance looks more like a portal or a doorway. I like the way it says portal or doorway because portal in Latin and French means doorway. La porte, doorway. Portal or doorway, apparently. So it also what's a looks... porta-potty? It's a potty with a door in it. What's wrong with you? It also, it's a compound noun. It also looks like what a white hole is theorised to look like. Seen any white holes recently, Greg? Nope. With high velocity jets and all. Is this what a true dimensional overlap looks like to our eyes, it says? Is this the optical effect of a ship or craft coming out of dimensional travel? Harry Clipperton blogs nature photographs. Well, that's what he tells his wife anyway. I'm just going to be 10 minutes. I'm going to blog some nature photographs, sweetheart. And that's what he was planning to do with the storm shots he took while walking in the town. Instead, he posted it to a UFO sighting club and it was picked up by a local news site and distributed around the Internet. While some describe it as a flying saucer, the green towel makes it look more like a jellyfish ufo nice tentacles have you ever seen a jellyfish ufo those organic ones you see they look like giant jellyfish in the air this is what this looks like if people want to see the photograph of a green jellyfish flying through the air in holland then they need to go to our facebook site more questions and answers with adrian lee it continues so this photograph may be one of the luckiest catches of all time the photography reports seeing a flash in the sky that did not come from lightning or his flash equipment it would be very interesting if there was an increase in reported paranormal activity in the area at the time and afterwards this event may be solid proof of interdimensional hypothesis or the dutch jellyfish parachute display team that's never pretty by the way when they reach the ground when jellyfish are parachuting i'm just saying when they reach the ground it's never pretty and this kid's always screaming how would you know if a jellyfish was nervous if it did want to jump out of an aircraft with a parachute on do you see what i'm saying <laughs> this is where we're going here heather what have you got for me in the round of ufos and cryptozoology Oh, it's a good one. First, I want to make a comment on your story, though. You read it out two weeks ago, and you don't want points. No, I saw a picture of your jellyfish thing, and it's a Photoshop. It's Photoshopped, is it? Yeah. Well, people can judge for themselves. I'm putting my vote in. You're in a very testy mood tonight, aren't you? Do you want some points? Maybe. Maybe. Well, let's see what you've got. This will do it. You reckon? Human flesh craving... Go on. Squirrels. Squirrels craving (laughs) flesh. Are attacking MTA workers is this cryptozoology or ufos have you seen a flesh-eating squirrel not recently well 
I call it cryptozoology. You wouldn't want one on a naturist site, would you, is what I'm saying. Earlier this month, a squirrel in the Bronx spit an MTA worker's finger, sending her to the hospital. In the Bronx? Yes. They're going around in gangs with switchblades and tattoos it's mugging people. It's appearing so, yeah. Now it appears the squirrels have developed a taste for salty, delectable people flesh. They're going to make a musical out of this. Do you know that? There's going to be wait, squirrels wait, dancing. there's more. A second MTA worker has been attacked by a squirrel. <laughs> What's ATM? Uh, or MTA, I'm sorry, okay. uh, Motor Transit Authority, probably. Okay, I'll go with that. Um, this time, the train car was a Coney Island-bound Q train. It's unclear whether the same squirrel is coming back for seconds or if the city's squirrel population has teamed up with coyotes to rid the city of all non-littering humans. When squirrels go bad. This week's squirrel-sourced aggression occurred at around 9.20 a.m. on Thursday near... The, the road Q station. When squirrels attack. The post reports <laughs> that the squirrel ran through the Q train's window before setting its sights on the train operator. Really? <laughs> Luckily, passengers were able to help her shoo the squirrel out, though it's probably since burrowed a home for itself in Flatbush. It's like the killer rabbit from Monty Python biting, with the squirrels whizzing around people's necks and they're getting decapitated. Until another unsuspecting human sticks a finger near it. The extent of the train operator's injuries are unknown, so the squirrel jumped in the window and went for the conductor. Oh, no. Can you imagine it's in a lineup with other squirrels? Which one is it, madam? Is it number one? Is it number two? Number three sat there, you know, with a scar running down its face. And a fork and a knife. And a fork and a knife. Great. You shall have points for being funny and informative. You are now on a masterful three. Kim, you've sat very patiently. What do you have in the round of squirrels and cryptozoology and UFOs? Strange lights spark UFO frenzy in China. Thousands of people across the country reported sightings of an unidentified trail of light in the sky. The peculiar spectacle, which was visible over a wide area earlier this month, took the form of a bright spiral shape that was estimated to be approximately 10 kilometers above the ground. Witnesses from across northwestern China took to social media sites in their thousands to post images and videos of what they had seen, sparking speculation and theories ranging from extraterrestrial visitation to evidence of a top-secret weapons test. Military and aviation experts believe that the spectacle was likely to have been either the smoke trail of a rocket launch or some form of unusual meteorological phenomenon. Wow. Authorities in China, however, have remained curiously tight-lipped about the whole thing. Who'd have thought that communist China would remain tight-lipped about the whole thing? What do you think of that story, Heather? I'm drinking right now. <laughs> Which is why I asked you the question. Whenever there's cricket on the radio in Britain, they have commentators and they get cakes and pastries sent to them. And that's exactly what they do. When the person next to them is taking a big bite of cake, they turn around and say, what did you think of that play? And the person sat there with a big piece of cake in their mouth. So I thought that was an opportune moment to ask Heather what she thought of that story. Evil. You're evil. Be sure to stay tuned as we explore further the week's news of jellyfish, man-eating squirrels, the paranormal and strange after these short messages from our sponsors. The Lakes Area Paranormal Interest Group meets bi-monthly or fortnightly to discuss all things paranormal. 
The group's primary focus is on the topic of UFOs, but they also delve into alien abductions, cryptozoology, Bigfoot crop circles and ghosts. Come with an open mind and be prepared to discover the who, what, when, where and why of these phenomena. Meetings are from 7 to 9pm Central Time in the Banquet Room of the American Legion Club in Wake Park, Minnesota. For more information, visit their website, lapig.org. They also have a fabulous Facebook site as well. If you type in the Lakes Area Paranormal Interest Group, you will see stories of the strange, bizarre and UFOs on their website. For people who believe that standing in Michael Jackson's house in the middle of the night with a flashlight for hours on end is perfectly normal. The Minnesota chapter of the Mutual UFO Network, MUFON, meets the second Saturday of every month at the New Brighton Community Centre, New Brighton, Minnesota. Meetings are from 2 to 5 p.m. Central, include investigation reports, open mic, book reviews, videos, guest speaker and the throwing of jellyfish at one another. Anyone with an interest in UFOs is welcome to attend. For any Chinaman who has experienced a UFO sighting or knows someone who has, this is the place to be. Meeting agendas, driving directions and tips to take photographs in the Netherlands can be found at mnmufon.org. I would love to hear from you if you would like your business or product advertised live on more questions and answers, reaching the nation and beyond with informative, well-educated listeners of good taste and a love of the paranormal and all things oddly intriguing. In the lyrics and the words of the reggae legend that is Johnny Nash, there are indeed more questions than answers. And the more I find out, the less I know, which means I'm probably less intelligent than when the show started. I am your host, Adrian Lee, famous for being banned in Lithuania and for the annoying inability to read out Heather's stories two weeks before she does. Welcome <laughs> back for the second part of tonight's show. If you have just joined us, then where have you been? And what could have been more important, unless you're blogging about nature? If you have stayed with me, then let me raise your spirits further by saying that we still have 50% of the show still left to go. Hurrah and a happy dance all around the bedroom. Remember, you can contact the show at any time via our Facebook site. More questions than answers with Adrian Lee. Where all of tonight's stories and much, much more can be found in glorious detail and technicolour for your perusal, including all of the photographs and videos that accompany our stories. You can also write to me and send me your stories at mqta at rocketmail.com. And my Twitter account, Adrian underscore Lee underscore tips is also available for you to join and we currently have 55,000 followers i also want to thank our listeners from all over the world because last week we had over 4,000 listeners so i just want to thank everyone on darkmatterradio.net and those on soundcloud and all other websites that hold our show and listen to our show so many thanks to you for making this the success that it is i've now been handed a fresh cup of tea and the promise of cookies i have fresh flashlight batteries and my mother has thankfully killed all the squirrels in the neighborhood so onwards we march into the round that is strange and bizarre heather what have you got for me in the round of the strange and the bizarre again i have a fabulous story for you Wow. Each week, I'm it's astonished. It's always fabulous. The quality of your stories holds Just, no bounds. No, it doesn't. Your assiduity <laughs> towards research is phenomenally interesting. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Robotic butt. Robotic butt. Helps medical students learn professional intimacy. You've obsessed with bottoms tonight, aren't you? Well, there is a theme <laughs> running through tonight's show. A uh, meta-narrative of bottoms. <laughs> oh, well, then you're going to love the rest of the show later Which is on. why you're going to finish bottom at the end of the show. Oh, 
Uh, for medical students, it can be nerve-wracking uh, prospect to administer intimate exams to patients. A group of scientists at the University of Florida, Drexel University, and the University of Wisconsin jointly developed new te- technology to help medical students hone their skills at prostate and breast examinations. And I don't know where the breast examination comes into the butt. Well, if you push your finger far butt. enough, I'm sure you're oh. going to feel it. <laughs> Hang on, I can feel a lump in your breast, madam. The result of four years of hard work, a robotic butt named Patrick. Patrick. Who delivers instantaneous feedback to students about the prostate exam he's receiving. I bet there's some people who like to rent that out. Oh, no. Patrick comes equipped with four sensors and its highly visual software can inform students whether they're applying optimal pressure. Hang on, there's a red light that comes on when he, on his nose. It goes, eh. No, I'll have to tell you about this. He might inform the student if the pressure is too soft or if they have neglected to cover the whole prostate. Cover their whole what? Yes, their whole prostate. Sir needs to cut it's, his fingernails. It's not just about perfecting their technique. Students can also use Patrick to practice their bedside manner. Oh, my goodness. Dr. Benjamin Look, uh, the lead designer in the project, said the experience is designed to mirror a typical doctor-patient interaction. Patrick is set up to in the exam room. Hang and, on a second. And students walk in, greet the patient, and ask routine questions. What? A patient-doctor interaction while he's got your finger up your bottom. Going anywhere yes. nice on your holidays. <laughs> Weather's uh, looking a bit well, wet today. <laughs> Well, this Patrick it tells the doctor that he has problems urinating, etc., as well as uh, they ask him about his family and his medical history. This computer I, I think this is butt. Operation Gone Mad. I think you put your <laughs> finger in there, the red light comes on in his nose, and it goes, eh, you owe me $200. Uh, doctor Look said Patrick is initially reluctant to receive a prostate exam, I'm so you surprised. actually have to talk the robot into it. You have to. But the students are taught to Look, communicate. Look, there's a dollar the on the floor down there. Where? <laughs> Cheeky. Today, I, and I did not know this, I have to say that. Today, many medical schools pay a lot of money to hire professional actors who are willing to go through training and get examined repeatedly by the students. I knew that. Yes, there's people paid to be difficult or to cause them problems. I, I knew about that. Yeah, that is true. I did not know that. They, yeah. uh, they pay people to go in there and, you know. Yeah, give them a script and say, this is what I want you to say when you... And they you know. go through it. Yeah. The whole examination Absolutely. over and over and over again. When I was in Budapest, capital of Hungary... They have an underground system, and every time the doors open at a station, you hear, and it sounds like the buzzer on operation. So we're in a packed commuter train full of Hungarians. None of them speak English. This is a couple of years after the Berlin Wall's gone down, so they're not used to tourism. And uh, I was with my friend Chris, and we're sat there on a packed train, and suddenly the door comes open for the first time, and he goes, and I said, now remove his funny bone. And uh, we laughed very loud, and everyone looked at us as if we was odd. That's it. There's no more to that That's story. It? it did look like James Bond, though. <laughs> it looked like one of those monorails where it looked like, you know, fake, you know, volcanoes with pyramids and people wearing gold lame suits, and it looked very similar to that. Now, I'm going to tell you a little bit about this whole robot thing. With the bottoms. You're obsessed with, the bottom. with it. You're absolutely yes. obsessed with it. Uh, it is essentially a video game. Really? Yes, and I'm going to show you a picture. You can describe it to the listeners. It wouldn't be on the Xbox, would it? See what I did there? Like your balloon knot. You know, X marks the spot. No, just me. 
Okay. <laughs> Do continue. You're going to tell us about okay. a computer game. Yes, it looks like a computer game in front of a big screen, and then there's like a, a well, we'll call it a game paddle, but here it's I'm going to let a game paddle. <laughs> Holy smoke. <laughs> Oh, my. That's, uh, wow. Am I going to have to explain that to our listeners? Yes, yes, you probably should. I can't wait to hear it. There's a man who's obviously left-handed, and uh, you've got a big computer screen in front of you, which looks like an examination room. And in the man's, 3D. In the 3D. Man, why is the man stripped completely bare? You'd keep your shirt on, wouldn't you, surely? I don't know. When he says stripped to the waist, you're not taking Patrick it all off. Patrick is naked. Patrick's naked. Um, let's just say that you can't see the man's knuckles. There is. Or his wrist. A frost, yes. <laughs> He's lost his wristwatch, hasn't he? Can you take your ring off? That hurts. That's not my ring. That's my wristwatch. Uh, yes, the gentleman performing the procedure has got the best part of his um, arm, like a farmer, <laughs> up this prosthetic bottom, and the bottom fades into the computer screen, and he's doing very well, apparently. He's got three lives left, and uh, he's got a, a fabulous score. So this is where we are. If people want to see this photograph, <laughs> then you're sick, quite frankly. Well, hold on. There's more. No, I was oh. just thinking, isn't it about time for your exam? <laughs> you keep trying to set me up for an exam. I'm not 50 years old yet. This is terrible. I'm going to move swiftly on. Mum and daughter's suicide bid after spooky Ouija board session ends with them burning down their own home. A mum and daughter torch their own home after taking a cocktail of pills following a spooky session with a Ouija board. Margaret Carroll, who claims to be a black witch, and daughter Katrina Livingston started the blaze in an attempt to take their own lives, a court heard. Despite this, when emergency services arrived, an explosion occurred and rescuers discovered the pair outside the house in First Street, Ledgate, County Durham, after ditching their suicide bid. Try again next week is my suggestion. Do you know it's actually illegal in Britain to commit suicide? Did you know that? How are they going to be prosecuted? Well, if they don't make it and they're lying on the floor with two broken legs, they then get arrested. Then they get slotted? That's when they get... No, they don't get slotted. This isn't America. (laughs) What's wrong with you? Dan Cordy, defending 37-year-old Livingston at Durham County Court, said, This is somebody with an extremely difficult upbringing that left her extremely isolated. Effectively, her only communication was that in extreme close family groups and dead people and spirits and demons bowl accounts. She suffered a number of tragedies, including the loss of her own children who were then taken into care. What she took solace in was then her dogs. So the Ouija board is working well for her then no demonic influences in her life tony davis representing 60 year old carol told the court she had intermittent contact with psychiatrists since she was in her mid-20s he said following her admission the low newton prison said she had severe problems and was hallucinating and believed herself to be involved in the spirit world and considered herself to be a black witch. I normally end up dating these women. I'm not sure how this one got through the net, to be honest. (laughs) The court heard the property was damaged to such an extent it would need to be demolished. And their neighbours were forced to move house. I bet their neighbours absolutely loved them. Judge Peter Kelson QC sentenced the pair to four years in custody each with two years extended licence. Both of you put yourselves before others around you, he told them. There was no regard for the safety of anyone else. So they now have four years of meditation to sit and do whatever they want and think about the spirit world nothing good i tell you comes of ouija boards kim what have you got for me in the round of the strange i got a fun fact you've got a fun fact go for it 
It's not about a bottoms by any chance, is it? No. Ouija boards just turned uh, 125 on May 28th. So, for extra points, can anyone tell me what the word Ouija means? Yes, Ouija yes. Board? Kim. <laughs> 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 yeah. Heather said it, and we all thought it. Heather gets points for saying that Ouija board means yes, yes. Who knew? I can't believe you know these facts. Unbelievable. Where did you dredge that it's up like from? It's like I just heard it. I know, right? <laughs> the spirits are coming through loud and clear tonight, and they're helping Heather win points. Fantastic. Kim, what have you got for me in the round of very strange and very bizarre? <laughs> Woman saw her dead brother's face on another man's body following transplant. Wow. Richard Norris, 39, was left badly disfigured after he accidentally shot himself in the face in 1997. In the years following, he underwent more than 30 operations to correct some of the damage, but saw little improvement. Then three years ago, 21-year-old Joshua Aversano died in a car accident, and out of that tragedy came hope. You've got to be very brave, haven't you? I, I commend the family that they would donate their son and their brother's face after he died yes. to put that on another person. I mean, that's remarkable. Um, I'm not sure I'd want to do that, to be honest, but uh, good for them is what I say. I agree. That would be tough. And then if you go into some of the movies they made on, like, uh, when somebody gets somebody else's heart and then they end up falling in love with the other girl, with the girlfriend of the first person. And or things. you end up with a woman's arm on your own arm and huh? you're painting the nails and smoking a cigarette afterwards. No? Just me. Okay. Wouldn't that be strange if the sister fell in love with this guy? I often think, you know, what happens if you have a lung transplant? Are you coughing up someone's green bits? Ew. Or, I mean, this is what I'm thinking of. That would be rough. Or do they clean all that out? I have no idea. I'm no specialist in this area. My granddad had a hair transplant and walked around with a kidney on his head. Kim, do continue. <laughs> uh, thanks to transplant surgery, Joshua's face was grafted onto Richard's body. The moment where Joshua's sister Rebecca sees the face she grew up with is really something. In footage that will be broadcast on 60 Minutes, a stunned Rebecca asks Richard if she can touch his face and backs away in disbelief when she does. Rebecca's mother, Gwen, said that donating Joshua's face to Richard was the right thing to do. We can definitely see our son in him, she said. We are just so pleased to have been able to help him. Even though we had such a tragic loss, we were able to give someone else the benefit of our son. I'd like the idea. That if I ever had to have something like that, I'd like the skin grafted off my bottom and put on my face. So now when I see my mother, she can actually kiss my bottom. <laughs> Fabulous. We limp lifeless like a jellyfish who's fallen out of an aeroplane into the round that is not for your mother as the title suggests this is the round that you would not want your mother to listen to any minors in the room anyone who is easily offended must turn off now this is the round where we read the stories from the week that are laden with innuendo with facts of sexual knowledge and things that we shouldn't discuss before 10 o'clock in the evening heather what have you got for me in the round of not for your mother i have information I'm always looking for information. Information is knowledge. Knowledge is power. Well, you'll have a lot of it then. I'll have a lot of power. I'm in charge of your scores. That helps. Oh, excellent. Porn actors must wear protective goggles during shoots. It's a new California safety standard. You don't want an eye shot, do you? I mean, that stuff can get in there. <laughs> Horror eye. It's moving around on my eyeball. Oh, God. 
California's Division of Occupational Safety and Health has Occupational issued, Safety and Health has issued a set of safety standards for all California porn production sets. What about if I just put the first eight inches in? Oh, the 21-page standards <laughs> presentation goes into graphic detail about the safety precautions that are to be undertaken. You were warned, when ladies adult and gentlemen. Video actors perform various act. Wow. I'm just going to give you number one. You're going to give me a number one? Yes, Should right. I be in the bath for this? Or? <laughs> Here's one eye-opening detail from the document. Personal protective equipment, where occupational exposure remains after institution of engineering and work practice controls, the employer shall provide, at no cost to the employee, appropriate personal protective equipment, such as, but not limited to, condoms, Gloves for cleaning and if contact of the eyes with optum sty is what? reasonably anticipated eye protection. Look, mum, she's got pink eye. Her personal protective equipment will be considered appropriate only if it prevents blood or optum sty You're from making passing these words through up. to or reaching the employee's eyes, mouth, or other mucous membranes. Or Keep non- going. Make it up. Keep <laughs> going. Make it up. And I don't know what this part. Or non-intact skin under the normal conditions of use. They're getting racquetball the confused du- <laughs> with the wheelbarrow number. <laughs> and for the duration of time, which I'm the bored protective now. equipment will be used. Okay, that Keep was Keep going. Make it up. Now, would you like to know what Optum Sty is? Not really. What's an Optum Sty? Isn't that a character from Doctor Who? It means, it must be a new legal term, it means pre-ejaculate. Oh. Ejaculate, you were warned, semen, ladies and gentlemen. Vaginal secretions, fecal matter, and rectal secretions. Aren't they the names Secre- of the seven dwarfs? Secretions from wounds or sores that are potentially infected with sexually transmitted pathogens. This sounds like a public swimming bath. Any other bodily fluid, when visibly contaminated with blood or all bodily fluids, in situations where it is difficult or impossible to differentiate between bodily fluids. <sighs> this is Greg's entire film collection here. We're going to have to be careful. So. I just want to forewarn you, you will be seeing goggles. Those, those films with goggles I'm not goggles seeing on. any of those films. What do you think? <laughs> you make it sound like I'm Don't you have those. some with them on now? I don't have any wow. films that contain goggles in them, I can assure goggles. you. Goggles. I did warn listeners that this was the way this round was going to go, so it you've was only just got yourself... informative. I was reading a public service announcement. Though it's very informative, and uh, I shall be sure that if I come across anyone who has a danger of uh, open sores or eye wounds, they will be wearing goggles. <laughs> or some sort of diving mask, perhaps. <laughs> I refuse to go to public swimming baths on the back of that now. Kim, what have you got for me in the round of Not For Your Mother? Masturbating can get your hands oh. pregnant in the afterlife, <laughs> Muslim televangelist warns. Your hands pregnant? Yes. Oh, Let's have a look at Greg's hands. Show us your hands. It's a boy. <laughs> you know, keep in mind, this is in the afterlife when they get pregnant. Greg's yeah. having twins by the look of it. <laughs> he's, giving, he's giving birth to a full set of matching luggage. Just saying. A Turkish televangelist has warned male Muslims away from masturbation because it may leave their hands pregnant in the afterlife. Mukahid Sihad Han supposedly made the claim... That's a character from Star Wars. You're not getting away with that. (laughs) Uh, He made the claim in response to a call from a man who, quote, kept masturbating although he was married and even during the Umrah, a pilgrimage similar to the Hajj. I can't believe anyone would masturbate once they're married. Surely you get everything you want. (laughs) 
Just experimenting with irony there, ladies and gentlemen. Hearing the man's plight, Han stated that masturbation is forbidden in Islam and went on to say, Moreover, one hadith states that those who have sexual intercourse with their hands will find their hands pregnant in the afterlife, complaining against them to God over its rights. It's when your hands sat next to you smoking a cigarette. I love the way his name's Han. Is that Han Solo by any chance? (laughs) (laughs) Tweeters took the opportunity to mock Han with one asking, are there any hand gynecologists in the afterlife? Is abortion allowed there? Masturbation is a controversial topic in Islam, as the Quran makes no mention of it, leaving Muslim scholars and clerics to make their own interpretations. It certainly leaves a bit of taste in the mouth. (laughs) A limited number of rulings condemn the act as haram or forbidden, while many simply put it in the category of makaru or disliked. Some interpretations also allow masturbation under certain circumstances, with a 14th century 14th century scholar ruling. Well, 14 is the theme of this particular episode. What, yeah. I want to know what rules, what, what makes you, what's it allowed for? Do you know? Uh, the 14th ruling says, or 14th century ruling, if a man is turned between continued desire or releasing it, and if this man does not have a wife, and he fears he will suffer because of this, for example, a prisoner or a pauper, then it is permissible <laughs> I, I for him you were to masturbate. about something else if he was going to suffer. If he was going to suffer. And it rhymes with blue and alls. Oh, Christ. <laughs> Controversial, ladies and gentlemen. You don't want to see anyone suffer, do you? No. I, I know, that's terrible. End the suffering. End the suffering, I say. <laughs> I wonder if Smurfs have those. What do you think? Yes, just, they do. They do, okay. Just checking. <laughs> I have a story here that sex-crazed nun dug up by archaeologists, skeleton of shamed woman found buried face down. The skeleton of a sex-crazed nun has been unearthed at an evacuation near a site in Oxford. That's an excavation, not an evacuation. God. <laughs> you don't want to get an evacuation muddled up <laughs> with an, with an excavation. excavation. Hey, that's, that's when the plumbers are needed. Wow. Where were these nuns when I was teaching? This is what I want to know. I did my teaching practice in an all-girls Catholic convent school. I must tell you a very brief story. It's very hilarious. I did my first day of teaching, so I'm there, squeaky clean. I've just got my degree. I want to be a teacher. My teaching practice randomly gets picked out of a hat. It's a school in East London. It's an all-girls Catholic convent school. With my reputation, what were they thinking? So anyway, I go walking in there with my suit on. It's all nuns teaching. I'm the only man in the entire school. So anyway, I must have told you this story. I wanted to do some photocopying to get ready for my next lesson. So I went into the photocopying room and the sun is blazing through the window and it's very blinding in a very biblical, godlike light. And there's a nun doing photocopying for her lesson. And this is already very amusing, seeing a nun doing photocopying. And the nun turns around to me and says, I can't see what I'm doing. Can you close the blind and uh, stop the sun from coming in? So I made the blind shut and it went pitch black. Do you know when your eyes go from brilliant sunlight into darkness? I could not see a thing. And it was very embarrassing. I'm now in an office with a nun in the dark. And to break the uh, awkward silence, I said, wow, this is very romantic. And the nun turned to me and said, if it's romance you want, you've come to the wrong place. And it was very true, I tell you. Yes, you should go into the library. Why, what's happening in the library? (laughs) If it's not in the copy room, it should be the library. With the lead piping and (laughs) Professor Plums. The remains of the woman were found lying face down, a common punishment for nuns thought to be engaged in immoral behaviour. Archaeologists uncovered around 100 skeletons at the dig site near Oxford United Football Stadium. They reckon the skeletons are between 600 
and 900 years old. We knew the church that was there and we knew we would find something, but the number of burials was a real surprise, said archaeologist Paul Murray, who is leading the dig. The site next to the closed Priory Club, which is built on the remains of the Littlemore Priory Nunnery, was founded in 1110. According to historians, the nunnery was closed down in the 1500s due to the immoral nature of the nuns' activities. Being buried face down, a so-called prone burial, was reserved for sinners and witches. Did you know that? Did anyone know that? I read that for the first time and thought I did not know that information, that if you're buried face down... It's for sinners and witches. Yes, I the, knew that. I had heard that in a different story. Okay, well, Kim, she'll get points for admitting that. I remember where. They would often be buried some distance away from the church. However, the team found this particular skeleton close to the remains of the nunnery, which supports the idea that it was one of the nuns themselves. This woman is buried in the church with 80 other bodies, which suggests she was an important person who had sinned. We can't know for sure but it could tie in with the story of the behaviour of the nuns, Murray said. And now I will tell a joke that for the first time in the history of radio will never ever be told before or since. So, like a game of darts, one dead nun and 80. (laughs) I thought that was fabulous. It's a dead (laughs) nun and 80 bodies. Who can tell me that's not a great joke? One dead nun and 80. That's just the... Why are you looking at me like that? I'll get my coat. Hang on. (laughs) (laughs) Heather, what have you got for me now in the round of Not For Your Mother? Wagner got his wanger out. Wow. Danish politician poses nude for election election campaign. An election campaign? Yes. Is the staple in the middle of the page kind of covering his dignity? No. Okay, just checking. A body-confident Danish politician has decided flashing his manhood is the best way to secure victory in this bid for the prime minister spot. I think Jeb Bush should go down this road. Oh, God, no. Perhaps- <laughs> it's that or Hillary Clinton. Which way would you want it? <laughs> Perhaps keeping his trousers on is what prevented Ed Millibrand moving into number 10 Downing Street. It was like a horse's eye. <laughs> John Eric Wagner has stripped completely starkers for his election campaign poster. That's where bacon comes from, isn't it, Denmark? Uh, Danish what? bacon and Carlsberg. Very what? famous for these It's Canadian bacon. Pictures you know what the Canadians <laughs> call Canadian bacon? Bacon. You're not getting points for that. Oh. Uh, pictures of the 52-year-old's naked body, not to mention his charming cowboy hat and leather gun holster, have been um, erected all over his native Copenhagen. An investigation has been carried out to ensure the X-rated images were permissible, but city administrators... It's in there somewhere. ...apparently weren't Hmm. convinced they would disrupt road users' attention. Only in Scandinavian countries would a politician strip off naked and there'd be posters all over the town. That's right. Penis-flashing Wagner is known for his attention-seeking stunts, which have previously included a stage invasion during a televised political debate i don't mind political debates but i don't want it rammed down my throat (laughs) suggested (laughs) amendments to his manifesto are thought to include closing down denmark's job centers making health and dental care free changing existing election legislation and passing laws to ensure that all employees who work six months are entitled to a six-month holiday i'm moving You're moving to Denmark. (laughs) That's right. Despite his pledges, Wagner's exposed wanger might be all in... the way you change. He's exposed. Wanger. (laughs) Might be all in vain. 
no. As local sources claimed it, unlikely he will win his June 18th erection, election. Uh, but you can't say the man hasn't got balls. Okay, are uh, we getting away with this on air, or are we going to be pulled off? I, I saved a picture for this, too. Oh, Christ almighty. Let's have, oh, man, yes, that's a That's Danish. a great, and actually, it was on a big poster on the side of a building. It was fabulous. What on earth possesses a politician to strip off? What we've got here is a poster, and it's in Danish, and this particular guy is very homoerotic. He's got a cowboy hat on and a gun holster, and he's looking very kind of... Uh, it looks like a Kelvin Klein underwear ad yes other with than no underwear other than he's got his twig and berries out greg do you want to have a look at that are you sure <laughs> you sure you don't want to have a look at that okay. i will yes pass it on to kim she'll keep that for later that's not a bad 52 year old i think about it well every wrinkle's an inch i've got a story here that says british woman calls cops on monkeys she claims sexually assaulted her on her visit to gibraltar that was just her brother melissa Hart. wow <laughs> <laughs> Melissa Hart had travelled to the Rock for a day out from her holiday base in Marbella in a bid to see the region's famous Barbary macaques. The 23-year-old... It's macaque. It's macaque. <laughs> you yeah. say macaque, I say macaque. Let's call the whole thing off. <laughs> That's what they're called. No, they're we invented, No, well, in Britain we say macaque. It's a macaque. Okay. The 23-year-old baker from Macclesfield says she was excited to see the animals until two of them began groping her. One of the monkeys then ripped off the young woman's bikini top, leaving her screaming with fear as other tourists looked on and laughed. See, you can train monkeys. Melissa said, I felt totally helpless as these two monkeys grabbed and poured me in my most intimate areas she revealed then with a yank one of them pulled my bikini top off i was being sexually assaulted and these people all thought it was very funny i agree that's not funny at all there's nothing funny about that the young mother's screams alerted a nearby warden who raced in and freed her from the monkey's grasp but mrs hart was so incensed by the incident she demanded to fill in a police report can you imagine having to line up a monkey's We've had one of squirrels. Yes, it's definitely the third one. <laughs> See, he's admitting it. See what he's done there. He's admitted his crime. After meeting with an officer, the British woman was told there was nothing police could do as the monkeys were wild and they could not commit a crime. The warden said on request of the woman, the monkeys have now got their fingernails cut. Well, all good things must come to an end. So let us look at tonight's scores. Bringing up the rear... With the K2 meter and the dead battery, is <laughs> Heather who scored three remarkable points. I'm in second place with five. Greg is on three, and I've no idea where they come from, other than he managed to remember how well he did on the meteor with us. And Kim is tonight's winner on six points, and she wins the $33,000 IRR camera. I hope that she gives us a chance to use it. Do not fear, listener. Remember, we are back with a whole new bunch of stories next week at the same time. And I would love for you to join me for a fun and informative journey through the world of the paranormal. Strange, intriguing, bizarre and weird. Please tell your friends and family about the show and feel free to contact me anytime via my Facebook site. More questions and answers with Adrian Lee. Or you can email me at mqta at rocketmail.com. You can also join my Twitter account at Adrian underscore Lee 
underscore tips. And remember, if you still wish to hear more of the show, we do 20 to 25 minutes at the end of each show that we couldn't put out live on darkmatterradio.net for fear of being removed or having heavy fines, laden in innuendo and stories that we couldn't read out at any other time. You can go to soundcloud.com now and type in MQTA Radio and hear the final 20 to 25 minutes of the shows we've done over the last few weeks. My gratitude and greatest thanks are extended to Lorna Hunter, Heather Morris, Jeton Drainer, the Dutch Jellyfish Parachuting Display Team, Kim and Greg Gore, and all at the International Paranormal Society in paranormal.net. And all the show's sponsors, including the Lakes Area Paranormal Interest Group and MUFON of Minnesota. It just remains for me to say thank you for listening and remember, be interested and interesting. Good night.